Hello and welcome to another episode of the NudgeCast. My name is Phil Bean. I am the host of the NudgeCast and I'm also the co-founder and president at Nudge. And on the podcast today, I'm going to be talking once again to Dan Hemke. He is the chief business officer at Base Health, which is a really cool predictive analytics firm. And he's also a key healthcare advisor for us here at Nudge. If you listened a few weeks back, we recorded a a kind of introductory or first episode with Dan, and we had a great conversation around basically the role of engagement in population health management as a whole, why it's incredibly important and valuable to focus on the engagement piece just from a very high level. And as you can probably tell from the title of the webinar we did on it, the podcast episode we put out on it, you know, Dan thinks this is all important that the engagement piece, mastering the engagement piece within population health is the key. In fact, he called it the holy grail of population health management. Really excited to have this conversation with Dan. And I hope you guys enjoyed. If you have any questions, you can feel free to submit those to us, by the way, at learn at nudgecoach.com if you want to just shoot us an email. But yeah, looking forward to hearing what you guys think of this. Here's my interview with Dan Hemke from Base Health. All right. Here I am again with Dan Hemke. We are going to be doing a little bit more of a deep dive today. I know we set the tone last time we talked to Dan about, you know, big picture of the role of engagement in population health and why it's so vital if we take a big step back. But today we're going to dive a step deep and specifically address the Medicare Advantage space and why engagement is such a valuable concept for the plan sponsors, the risk-bearing enterprises playing in this space. So there's a lot to unpack here. We're going to assume some upfront knowledge of people who are listening on just the basics of Medicare Advantage, what it is, how CMS pays out, or maybe we'll touch on that stuff a little bit at a high level. But Dan, I guess looking for an entry point here, and I think really just setting the tone with making sure we have a good high level of, of who we're addressing here in this in this episode as we have this conversation, you know, who's going to benefit from understanding where engagement fits into the process of better managing more efficiently and effectively managing Medicare Advantage enrollees? Is that a good place to just high level start? It, it, it is, Phil. So thanks. Uh, great to be with you again today. So, you know, um, obviously one would make the assumption that a lot of the people that are, are going to be logging into this podcast have a pretty good understanding already. And in fact, are probably feeling some of the pain that we're going to be talking about today. But for all intents and purposes, um, we're really talking about any enterprise out there, whether that be a Medicare health plan that might be you know, sponsored by one of the you know, major insurance carriers or a Blue Cross plan or whomever else or whether it be an accountable care organization, an ACO, with whom a health plan may be contracting and actually sharing risk or shifting risk to actual provider groups. But these are, these are groups that essentially are accepting those people that are enrolling in a Medicare Advantage plan. Uh, those people enrolling in a Medicare Advantage plan, is, as we know, essentially are assigning uh, their Medif- uh, Medicare benefits to the plan in which they're signing up for. And in return, they are actually getting um, uh, coverage and care through that particular health plan. And so when we talk about risk, we're really talking about these enterprises that um, in lieu of the beneficiary assigning their Medicare benefits to that particular plan or subsequently to that ACO through a contracting arrangement, 
uh, those entities are bearing the full risk, regardless of how healthy or how sick those people are. Right. And one of the things I found interesting when I started to delve into a little background, I am not an expert on this topic. That's why Dan is here to help me through this, as well as maybe some of you. Some of you will be experts on this topic. So one of the most interesting things I found when I started diving in is basically the idea of, well, first of all, from the outside until you start digging, not very clear or obvious how um, risk would get assessed and thus how payments would get paid out or, or assessed. So can you kind of dive into how these organizations are getting paid by CMS and, you know, basically what a RAF score is then at that point and how that's, that's calculated up front. Sure. Um, so again, you know, let's start with the fact that, you know, at open enrollment period that, you know, of course we see promoted, you know, at the, uh, in the, on the fourth quarter of every year where people have an opportunity. In other words, those people that are eligible for, for Medicare have the opportunity to enroll in a Medicare Advantage plan. Um, the, the way that it works actually is, is pretty simple. So at the beginning of each uh, new plan year, Medicare Advantage enrollees are ascribed a RAF score, a risk adjustment factor score. Um, The amount of the monthly capitation or payment that is actually then paid to that plan um, or that uh, risk-bearing entity is paid by CMS uh, for each member uh, essentially based on that score or the risk that goes along with it. And while the RAF score and member payments are um, adjusted accordingly each year for demographic uh, factors like age and sex. Um, they don't really take into consideration any pertinent prior medical history or any current health status or conditions that may make some members costly, uh, costlier to a health plan or ACO than other members. Gotcha. So you can immediately see where that the word risk becomes bold and underlined um, for these organizations that are basically taking on these pools of risk and could be kind of saddled with a population that happens to be much more costly than they initially signed up for. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the thing that, that's very positive about this in the context of Medicare Advantage plans is that understanding um, that exact point is the reason that CMS allows uh, for upward adjustment of the RAF score and the subsequent capitation payments um, during the course of the year, if at any time uh, that member is diagnosed for a medical condition that would warrant um, an adjustment. And the way that it works is that regardless of when that diagnosis uh, is made, and, and there's very specific rules around the kinds of diagnoses that, are, that um, justify an adjustment and additional payment, but regardless of when that diagno- diagnosis occurs, in other words, somebody coming into a clinic or uh, uh, anytime during the course of a year seeing their doctor, whether it be in January, you know, right at the beginning of the plan year or in December at the end of the plan year, the plan will actually receive the increased payment amount for the entire plan year. Um, but to, to capture the diagnosis and RAF adjustment payments, the, the plan actually performs a, a monthly reconciliation. And that monthly reconciliation compares uh, the um, individual's RAF score that was ascribed to them at the beginning of the year um, and the payment and the associated payments to any diagnoses that is observed in the claims data um, uh, which ultimately is, is validated then by CMS and payment adjustment is made and, and payment is uh, paid out by CMS to the plan. Got you. So if we take a little step back then, we're saying that 
at the beginning of the plan year, there's a RAF score assigned, and that is essentially revenue for the plan sponsor or the risk-bearing enterprise. And then if there is a diagnosis, and that is obviously the the big if there is if that's managed well and documented well and then appropriately reported to CMS, and that payment adjustment can be pretty substantial at that point based on the diagnosis that is made, correct? You, you can be talking about a, a lot of money. And, yeah. and the reason that this is so important, and, and if you think about it, I mean, it's, it, it's a very fair way of doing it. I mean, CMS at the beginning of the year is saying, you know, we think this is the risk associated with the population. We think this is a, a fair payment. But we also understand that um, if, if there is greater risk, you know, uh, within the population and at the individual level, they're willing to make an adjustment. But the critical thing about this, and, you know, I, I think about this in the context of, uh, you know, health plans that, that I managed over the years, you know, for a plan to be successful, any entity essentially that's taking risk, it's, it's mission critical to capture all of the revenue that essentially you're entitled to. And in this case, um, it's highly desirable to also um, speed diagnoses uh, that are appropriate that would result in a RAF score to be able to accelerate premium or uh, accelerate the CMS payments. Mm -hmm. Because if, again, if that diagnosis doesn't happen until the end of the year, even though the plan will get that increased payment, they aren't going to get that increased payment until well into the next year. So you can see the importance of not only capturing all of the revenue, but also looking for ways in which you can accelerate diagnoses for people that in fact are sicker that would uh, also accelerate uh, the capture of that claim, the reconciliation and the payment through CMS. That's a really interesting point and maybe not one that I had thought of up front, but I mean, what kind of lag time are we typically looking at from the time, you know, the diagnosis, new diagnosis is reported and they're, you know, a new, a new plan for that person. I mean, is implemented. You're, you're, you're going to be looking, you know, at a, a, a quarter to, you know, six months. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're talking about by the time the, let's say again, a, cl- a claim is captured in, in uh, December, um, by the time a plan goes through its reconciliation process, and by the time it is, if it's a if it's a health system, you know they go through the process the, along with um, whatever health plan they're partnering with. The health plan then actually um, has all of that information that is then submitted back to CMS, and then CMS goes through their process. So it's a very long process, and I mean you're talking about a, a you know a, a, an appropriate reconciled uh, RAF score uh, in December for which you may not get payment uh, until the mid uh, middle or the end of the following year. I mean, it can be just that long, that, it can be that long. Wow. Yeah. That is substantial. And just curious. I mean, do you have any like um, kind of high level metrics on how significant these adjustments can be if we're looking at kind of population level? Well, they can, they can be very significant. I mean, you can, you can, it's, it's clearly in the, you know, many thousands <laughs> on an individual basis. I'll give you one example um, uh, with uh, Base Health. We recently performed a, an analysis of, of 10,000 Medicare Advantage members. And within that analysis, we identified um, $8.4 million. Now this is for 10,000 wow. members, $8.4 million <laughs> in um, incremental revenue improvement. And the, the estimate is probably about half of that is new revenue that they never would have uh, been able to um, capture. And the other half of it is accelerated revenue that there's an opportunity to capture 
much earlier in the year and potentially in the uh, actual plan year in which the claim was incurred or the, the risk was, was uh, being borne by the health plan. Holy smokes. Okay. So $8.4 million in new revenue for a population of about 10,000. I think that I probably caught everybody's attention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's a lot of dough. And, you know, I think the thing that's really important about this too, is that, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, Phil, it, it's also not, I mean, it's not just about money. Um, now, the, one of the reasons that that money is important is because capturing all of the revenue that you're entitled to is is needed to be able to actually pay for care and claims for the entire population. I mean, that's kind of the fundamental insurance aspect of it. Of course. But the other aspect of it is really be- is related to clinical outcomes. You know, if you have people that right now have a low RAF score that, in fact, are very high risk and most likely diagnosable for a condition, it is really good medicine. It's really good health care to get that person in as early as possible, get them diagnosed and get them into a care plan that is going to help to you know, mitigate uh, some of the health issues that could go along with that particular condition. My gosh, absolutely. And I think, so we've touched on, I think we've said enough background that the picture is beginning to become clear as to where this is going between us here. But now we start to get into the, to clearing up kind of where engagement plays a role in this, I think. And I mean, I think it's fairly obvious, but can you start to walk through kind of some scenarios where extremely effective engagement practices can actually enhance these revenues that you're getting in and basically create more effective and efficient healthcare? Absolutely. Because, you know, this really is where the rubber hits the road. Because again, at the end of the day, it's one thing when you have somebody enrolling in a health plan during the year, it's, it's, Obviously, you know, significant when that health plan is bearing that risk and, and responsible for the, you know, um, uh, health care and the clinical outcomes for that member. But there, there has to be a way to connect those dots. So for a plan to really optimize both the revenue and the clinical outcomes, um, what we're seeing is that risk-bearing entities are increasingly using predictive analytics, um, mm-hmm. such as the kinds of analytics that you see certainly with base health and others um, being used to really identify members that, you know, we kind of used the scenario before, members that have a low current RAF score who are at high risk and um, very likely diagnosable for a condition that would justify the score adjustment and payment. Mm -hmm. And so what we're seeing is given, again, the criticality of this, both from a financial perspective and a, um, uh, a healthcare perspective, uh, enterprise are bearing or uh, enterprises that are bearing risk actually are deploying population health management teams that are reaching out to these members who have been identified as low RAF, high risk, and are working essentially to engage them in hopes of scheduling clinical visits um, and developing and implementing care management plans that um, can correct uh, CMS risk scoring, improve the revenue, and moreover really be able to manage the health of these people more effectively and, and drive superior outcomes. So engagement really is key to this is because at the end of the day, it's one thing to be able to know about these people. It's another to be able to connect with them in a way that you can really make a difference. Yeah, no, I think you've, you highlight the right point there at the end. I mean, for the complexity of our healthcare system, this is an unusually beautiful alignment of incentives to me in that, you know, you identify, especially using, you know, an advanced analytics tool like Base Health um, at, at the beginning of the process. But if you can identify these 
kind of right sub-segment, this the small segment of people whose uh, risk adjustment factor is, is inappropriate, then not only can you, of course, get the revenue benefit, but also very quickly react and, and manage care much more effectively for that person and get better outcomes. So everything seems to be aligned here, which I feel like is a rare thing for us to talk about in our healthcare system, but it's kind of exciting to hear it from you, Dan. Well, it is exciting because, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people, you know, have a, a lot of skepticism around, you know, health care, health insurance, whether it's, you know, occurring, you know, privately through plan-sponsored programs or whether it's through, in this case, um, Medicare. But the, the fact of the matter is, is at the end of the day, the day member engagement and diagnoses where, where appropriate and clinical program, you know, adherence and compliance are really mission critical and fundamental to the success of the risk-bearing entity um, and any entity that's accountable for MA populations. But it's critical to the, the, the care and the, the health and well-being of the individual member. I mean, this really gets back to trying to, you know, optimize the health and well-being of, of uh, individual people. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I think we're going to dive a lot deeper into this going forward into, you know, now we've kind of outlined the the incentives, outlined you know the importance of this from both a revenue perspective for these uh, risk bearing entities, and also for the outcomes perspective and the care management perspective. But in subsequent episodes, I want to get deeper and deeper into the actual where the rubber meets the road engagement strategies that we can put into place to kind of ensure that we're we're optimizing both efficiency and effectiveness of care here. But Dan, this has been fantastic. Is there anything else you want to highlight, kind of while we're here, while you have us? No, I, I think with the exception of, uh, again, underscoring the fact that, you know, if, if ultimately at the end of the day, these are the things that you're trying to do, um, you have to really connect those people that are responsible from a population um, health and individual health management perspective with the real members that they're really trying to um, reach out to and engage and involve. And I can tell you, you know, for all intents and purposes, um, the Medicare Advantage space is struggling mightily with this challenge. Um, And I'd leave you with this um, thought. It's really interesting. I had a a very good discussion with a a good friend of mine from um, Optin recently with whom uh, he and I worked together and have known each other for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And he actually, you know, commented on the fact that increasingly he sees the business that we're in related to the stuff that we're talking about right now as healthcare logistics. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I really think that that's an interesting term because we're really trying to, uh, you know, plot out the logistics of reaching out, connecting, engaging people, and really driving, you know, really good business and clinical results. Absolutely. And that's, a, I think, a very useful way for, for people to think about it in terms of driving efficiency and effectiveness. So that's a great place to end. Well, Dan, thank you so much. This has been incredibly enlightening as always. And looking forward to having you on again soon. And also just for everyone listening out there, there's another webinar coming soon. We'll be posting that on the website. Pop over to nudgecoach.com. Um, slash blog and check out some of the latest stuff that we've got up there that will dive even a little bit deeper into kind of where the rubber meets the road and different engagement strategies and tactics that you can be implementing to take advantage of what we just talked about here. Dan, really appreciate your time. Uh, We'll talk to you again soon. As always, my pleasure, Phil. Take care. 